Uh, you know, when you have a situation as a company where things go not not terribly well, and what you do is you just put a press release and you say everything is fantastic. It worked out great. <laughs> Canada's Wonderland uh, put out a statement saying that they're uh, reopening this week. This was fantastic. Everybody had a great day, uh, except for there were just a, a, just a flood of complaints from season pass holders. This opened on on July 5th to only to season pass holders. Uh, and uh, there was a bunch of social media posts from people saying that the, the lineups were just obscene um, and that some of the roller coasters were totally out of service. And uh, what what's happened there, of course, is, you know, you have social distancing, right? So it's not just about, it's not just about the line to get on the roller coaster, that roller coaster that, that used to have four people in a row. And, you know, now they have two on a row and then they got to clean the thing down and do the whole Hygiene theater, wand it all down every time it comes through because you never know. There might be some COVID on the, you know, that previous guy's butt. He might have just, ah, oh, did I sit in some COVID? God. Anyway, I love that. Canada's Wonderland. All good. Everything's great. Everything's fine. Canada's Wonderland uh, opening shortly to the rest of us, the great unwashed, will be able to go. As well, I, what else is going on? What else is going on? Have you have you heard this report that has come out of Iceland? Less is more in Iceland now, where a shortened work week has led to better outcomes for workers and employers alike. This, according to a new study, the trial involved trimming people's work hours without trimming their pay. So they wait a second. They got they got the, the they they got less hours but the same pay to see how it would impact their health, happiness, and productivity. Well, guess what? Guess what? Less work, same pay. I'm going to be happier too. Many uh, employers cut their work week from 40 hours to 35 or 36. And then workplaces specifically focused on being more efficient during limited hours by cutting meetings. Oh, my goodness, would I be on board with that? Uh, altering work patterns and reorganizing shift work. Now, that, that's an interesting thing. You know, the push to a four-day work week was pre-pandemic. But now, as we look at post-pandy, as we move post-pandy, what is the future of work going to look like? Are we going to move towards a situation where maybe you might be working less hours or those hours might be more flex than they were in the past? Mohit Rajans is an author, a public speaker, and a previous guest on this program that I'm thrilled to have back. Welcome back. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. It's interesting that you made that point. Uh, first of all, sorry, how, how are you? <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you. Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. No, I was just going to mention I had uh, uh, feedback about the Canada's Wonderland experience from somebody who said the exact same thing about getting access because of the season pass thing. And I explained to her with glee, uh, oh, I have tickets for later this summer and with the family. And then she went on a two, five-minute monologue about her experience. And it was, uh, yeah, it was exactly what you described. She she said the line, that didn't make sense in her take. It was that the lineups were spread out until you got to the carousel where you sort of wind. And because then you're physically beside people because you can't distance in those. So she's, she she echoed the sentiment that you were mentioning earlier. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and it's all outdoors too, right? And so, like, I can go to the like. I, I live in a park. I live. I live in a park. I live next. To a, I mean, journalism well, is, too, is journalism is tough these days. I uh, know. I live next to a park where there's a community pool, like a Toronto City pool, and there's a whole bunch of people in the pool. 
and we're all outdoors and we're all fine, you know. And then you you see these situations where you know you you've got this hygiene theater, which is distressing. But let's talk about work. Let's talk about the oh, return. Oh, yes. right. <laughs> I can talk about going on roller coasters all day long, yeah. but let's talk about the return to the work. What do you what do you see in terms of this whole flex work? Is that going to be a reality? You know, it's interesting because I think that what people are referring to as this hybrid work arrangement is going to drive a lot of people nuts to begin with because there hasn't been a lot of uniformity as to what that means, especially across industries. So we're in a situation, unfortunately, where you can get as much data as you want, where you're you know, uh, researching, for instance, I, I saw an Accenture poll that said 83% of employees that they surveyed uh, wanted a hybrid work arrangements. But, you know, they also wanted the face-to-face interaction, and they also wanted the flexibility, and they also did want to take a cut in pay. So we're in a situation, unfortunately, where whatever this flex work means isn't going to mean the same thing for everybody. Yeah, and it'd be difficult to see how employers can, you know, be equitable with it, especially when you look at, you know, women in the workplace, for example. and You know, the, the in many ways, those flex hours work for for, you know, for home life, but then you don't necessarily have the face face time in the office. And that could be a detriment uh, to a certain portion of your your employees. And, and that's not equitable. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. And the other thing about on the same topic, I should say, is that not everybody's at the same skill level when it comes down to being able to use everything from, you know, remote access messaging to even proper email communications. They, you think about the fact that just up until a year and a half ago, you could say to somebody face to face, hey, did you read my email? Did you get that note that I sent you, etc., and resolve something in that conversation. In some cases, there are people that have, don't even understand how important it is to keep that email chain going online while they work remote or be able to operate a Slack group or Microsoft Teams properly. So the equitable factor comes in many shapes and forms. Well, I mean, doesn't the research, you know, show though that you know when the boss decides to promote somebody, it's it's the it's the one that gets the FaceTime. It's the proximity that. I mean, I've been a manager, of, you know, in this news organization, and I know that often hiring decisions are not made because you have taken, you know, a you know long and thoughtful evaluation of all of the things that are in front of you is like, I need somebody by tomorrow. And so you make these decisions under duress and those that have access, you know, face to face time are going to do better. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because you're also speaking about specifically of a generation as well, right? Think about the fact that we we're, we're, have two different, we have four different generations that could be working in our place of work at any different time. And I think that video communications is going to be a norm for definitely two of them, be it Gen Z and uh, Gen Alpha or, or millennials, because we're doing more of it in our personal and professional lives. So while we do talk about the opportunities that exist as a result of being at the right place at the right time and FaceTime, we also have to recognize that many people are getting comfortable with how they communicate online and with phones and with video conferencing. And it's going to become a little bit a part of more people's day, daily work. But I mean, for those that younger cohort, you know, the, the millennials and, and those younger, 
those are, those are the people. I don't, I don't even know what why, are we. A, what generation are we? I mean, I we're we're, we're going to go millennials, then we're going to go Gen Z or Z, depending. Z, on yeah, that. and then what do yeah. we got? No, Gen no. Alpha. Gen Alpha. alpha? Yeah. Really? Did you just made that up? Well, if I did, then uh, we're going to be doing segments on it. But the reality is, is that they will have the mobility um, and the ability to, you know, get closer to the actual place of work and get that FaceTime. It's, it, it's in some ways, it's the more established and older workers who that really can take better advantage of that remote work. It's kind of a di- dichotomy that way in terms of those that are the most skilled at remote um, work might be the ones that won't actually do it. Well, you know what's interesting uh, that you say that as well? It takes a lot to do remote work. It's not like you're just sitting there in your sweatpants and making stuff happen. In fact, I remember reading one study out of Stanford recently where they were talking about the fact that Zoom fatigue has become such a big deal because people are finding it stressful to continuously be, quote unquote, on when they're on camera, right? So the idea of, you know, even the extra nodding you have to do, the awareness, the uh, the ability to make eye, uh, heightened eye contact, et cetera, can be very stressful at times, especially as we go through, the, what, the 18th month of it. So, you know, it's a little bit of give and take in what you're able to do because some people find it a little bit, you know, uh, like acting when it comes to, and that doesn't make them more efficient in the process. <laughs> Just having to look at yourself all day long. Mohit, always great to talk to you. Thanks again for coming on. Have a great one. All right, that's Mohit Rajan, an author, public speaker, dad, founder of dadspotting.com, by the way.